Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, welcoming you to our 2500th episode special. And uh, if you do have a comment, send it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check out our great YouTube archive, youtube.greatdetectives.net. Uh, today's program is brought to you by the financial support of our listeners. You can support the show on a one-time basis, support.greatdetectives.net. Or you can become one of our ongoing Patreon supporters at patreon.greatdetectives.net. Well, today we're going to uh, present a bit of a uh, comedy spoof of Dragnet featuring Jack Webb. It's an episode of The Bob Hope Show. The original air date on this one is February the 4th of 1953. Let's go ahead and take a listen. Yellow presents The Bob Hope Show. Transcribed direct from Hollywood with Les Brown and his band of renown. For Jello, yours truly, Bill Goodwin. Our singing star, Margaret Whiting. Our special guest, Jack Webb. And here he is, Bob Hope. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Well, here I am, still going steady with Jello. I don't know what it is, but there's something about my personality that sells those six delicious flavors, especially lemon. <laughs> I'm very happy to be here tonight. I've been keeping my fingers crossed all week with this flu that's going around. It's really an epidemic, you know. In fact, there's so much flu in show business that Phil Spitalny is advertising Evelyn and her magic thermometer. <laughs> One doctor had so many cases of flu, he rented a helicopter and sprayed Pasadena with penicillin. <laughs> And Jane Russell's got a slight cold. Doctors came from as far away as Alaska for the examination. <laughs> I was right there with my stethoscope. I was hoping for a quarantine. And you know, everyone... <laughs> everyone thought Marie Wilson had the flu because she bought a couple of handkerchiefs with her to the studio. But it turned out they were her costume. <laughs> she gets the flu now. She's really in trouble. <laughs> And those cold germs are everywhere. On the Lawrence Welk show, that bubbling music is now done with Alka-Seltzer. <laughs> I tuned in and heard Crosby singing the other night. I'm sure he's sick. <laughs> and people are staying home on account of this epidemic. There's so few cars in the streets, it disrupted traffic on Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> to have an accident now, you have to make an appointment. <laughs> And I hear that Phil Harris is flat on his back. Of course, with Phil, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. <laughs> it could just be hardening of the old Forester. <laughs> Phil Harris really does have an ailment, you know. He has termites. He got them from breathing in too much sawdust. <laughs> I got the sniffles and rushed to Hollywood Hospital last night, and I must have gotten in the wrong entrance. At three in the morning, a nurse woke me up and said, Congratulations, it's a seven-pound boy. <laughs> but there's one sure remedy for flu. You drink a glass of hot lemon juice while breathing into a paper bag with a belladonna plaster on your back, and at the same time, you inhale menthol in your nose while you keep your feet in a hot mustard bath. On second thought, it's easier just to go. <laughs> Well, 
My doctor told me to be very careful during this outbreak. He said to avoid everything that might pass germs from one person to another, even money. So I took his advice. I went out to Santa Anita. <laughs> Going to Santa Anita is rough. It takes so much out of me. <laughs> Santa Anita is sort of a garbage disposable with money. <laughs> but Santa Anita is in a beautiful setting. Mountains on one side, hock shops on the other. I haven't seen so much money go down the drain since Crosby luxed out his money belt. <laughs> and there was really a big crowd out there. Santa Anita hasn't been affected much by inflation. They still have a lot of $2 windows, only now they're in the Coca-Cola machines. <laughs> I have a system of betting, and I've never had to walk home yet for one very good reason. There's no window where you can bet your car. I finally got a horse that could win a race. They let him run all by himself. <laughs> and on the last race, I bet every cent I had. And my horse would have won, but he had a cautious streak in him. He followed along behind the other horses yelling, this is just reckless, fellas, going so fast in all this smog. <laughs> McNeil. Say, Bill. Yes, Bob. Bill, what's that string tied around your finger for? String? What, what string? Oh, you mean this one here. That's to remind me to ask the folks in the audience a question. Oh, what's the question? I've forgotten. <laughs> Would it have anything to do with Jell-O? Who cares about Jell-O? Well, who cares about getting their paycheck this week? <laughs> who cares about Jell-O? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody cares about Jell-O, Bob, and I'll tell you something that folks like extra special. And that's those wonderful Jell-O salads, which reminds me of my question. And that is? Folks, have you served a Jell-O salad now recently? Now we're going, now we're going. <laughs> have you served a Jell-O salad lately? If you haven't, your family is missing out on a real meal snapper-upper. Real meal snapper-upper? Yeah. Bill, what kind of language is that? What you mean is that the crisp, refreshing flavor of a shimmering Jell-O salad is just the thing to add that piquant, delicate touch that transforms a run-of-the-mill dinner into a gourmet's delight. <laughs> yeah, like I said, a real meal snapper-upper. <laughs> and folks, a Jell-O salad helps you avoid that last-minute rush at mealtime. Make it in the morning, set it in the refrigerator, and forget about it. And then when dinner time rolls around, there's no fuss or bother required. All you have to do is set that cool, colorful Jell-O salad on the table and let the family do the rest. Yeah, and gals, you'd better get your own share early, because take my word for it, once the kids get at that Jell-O salad, man, it goes. Well, they eat it all, huh? And Bill, my kids even eat the shimmer. <laughs> <laughs> well, take the hint, gals. Make a Jell-O salad for your family tomorrow. you hear will be that of Jack Webb, star of Chesterfield's great radio and television series, Dragnet. Tonight, in his role as Sergeant Joe Friday, he will take us step-by-step step through the investigation of a criminal case. It was Monday, January 20th. It was cool in Los Angeles, topcoat weather. I was working the day watch out of homicide. My name's Friday. The boss, Captain Kresnick, told me to expect a new partner. I don't know too much about this officer. He's just been transferred to the detective division. Supposed to be a hot shot. Now, we'll see. 9.40 a.m., the door opened. Anyone for criminals? <laughs> Who are you? 
I'm Officer Hope. Captain Kresnick told me to report here. Are you Sergeant Friday? That's right. Well, we're detectives. Let's catch a crook. <laughs> I got my badge, my blackjack, my handcuffs, my gun, and a bus ticket to San Diego. Bus ticket? Bus ticket to San Diego? Yeah, in case of trouble, I'll go there till it blows over. <laughs> All right, sit down, Hope. Let's get acquainted. Okay. You know something? You look a lot like Bob Hope. I can't help it. I was in an accident. <laughs> now, that's a pretty fair patch-up job. Hope, where you been working in the department? I was in uniform in the traffic detail. That's so? I was pretty good at it, too. I handed out 3,000 parking tickets a day. 3,000 a day? How could you do that? I put the tickets on the cars before they left the factory. <laughs> well, it sounds like you enjoy your work. Yeah, I love being in the force. I've always been a cop. Always? Sure. The day I was born, the doctor slapped me. And I arrested him for assault and battery. Well, now you're in the detective division. Yeah, and I figure I ought to do pretty good. I can smell a crime a mile away. Yeah, well, you sure got the equipment. <laughs> Thank you. Hope you might as well start learning about your new assignment. Okay, Sergeant. Now, in the police department, they refer to the detective division as the brains. The brains, huh? Yeah. How come you got transferred? <laughs> Well, it was kind of a reward. You see, I caught that bank ban at Grandma. No kidding. How'd you swing that? Well, I found out she was hanging around a certain bar, so I went in there and slipped a Mickey in her Lydia Pinkham's. <laughs> <laughs> nice work. It was a real struggle taking her in. I got hurt. You did, huh? Yeah, I backed into one of her knitting needles. <laughs> when I was questioning her, I had the feeling she kind of went for me. Yeah, you'd make a lovely couple. <laughs> well, I'm all through with romance. Matter, no girlfriend? I had a girl, went steady with her. For three years, we were never out of each other's sight. In love? No, I lost the keys of the handcuffs. <laughs> Look, Friday, what are we sitting around here for? Let's get on a case. Let's go somewhere and snoop. All right, take it easy. You'll get your chance. I'm ready to. I've been practicing my jujitsu. Pretty good at it, huh? Good, I'm perfect. I even invented a jujitsu hold of my own. It's unbeatable. No matter what you try to do to me, I can throw you over my head right into that corner. Go ahead, make a pass at me. I'll show you. Okay, here I come. Well, don't just stand there. Pick me up. <laughs> now, you listen, Hope. I don't mind you being a beaver, but there are a couple of things... I'll get it. Homicide, Friday. Yeah. Yeah. How long ago? Yeah. Okay, got it. What is it? Guy's just been found dead. 16 Conway Street. Looks like murder. Let's go. <laughs> a.m., Hope and I got a car out of the police garage and headed for Hollywood. 10.42, we arrived at 16 Conway Street. It was one of those white stucco apartment hotels. We parked the car, and on the way in, I got all the available facts from the patrolman on duty at the door. The murdered man's name was Barney Dean. He was a theater... (laughs) He was a theater manager, lived alone. Seemed to be a respectable citizen. Or was a respectable citizen. One of the tenants in the building had discovered the body and called the police. 11 a.m., Hope and I entered the murdered man's apartment. The coroner was there, just getting ready to leave. Hi, Doc. Yeah, hello, Sergeant. This body right there. Who's this with you? Oh, that's my partner, Detective Hope. New man, first case. Oh, uh, hello, son. First case, huh? 
Ever see a real stiff stretched out before? Yes, New Year's Eve. <laughs> Who was it? Hmm? Who was it? Me. <laughs> Say, Doc, you any idea of the cause of death? Well, he was struck from behind with a blunt instrument, causing the collapse of the posterior section of the cranial cavity, cutting the vascular system and splintering the medulla oblongata. I'd like to see the Blue Cross plan fix that. I gotta be on my way. Hey, good luck with your first case, son. Thanks, Doc. And if you're ever down at the morgue, be sure and drop in. Okay. And if you're not there, I'll lie down and wait for you. <laughs> so long, Friday. Man, I wouldn't have his job for anything, fooling around with stiffs at the morgue all day. Yeah, same thing when he gets home. He lives in Pasadena. <laughs> hey, Friday, I got a feeling about this case. I think that guy laying there on the floor was leading a double life. Respectable theater manager half the time, hoodlum the other half. Are you kidding? No, you can never tell. Just last week, the FBI picked up an innocent-looking guy who had a terrific racket. What was he doing? Smuggling Democrats into Washington. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, Friday, sorry. Sometimes my sense of humor almost gets away from me. Yeah, well, you can't blame it for trying. (laughs) (laughs) All right, we got work to do here, Hope. Grab this tape measure and take some measurements. I'll write them down. Right. Here we go. Distance from body to floor, 11 feet. 11 feet. (laughs) Distance to window, 39 inches. Right. Neck, 13 inches. Waist, 26 inches. Hips, 33 inches. Hope, get away from that wall. Stop measuring that Marilyn Monroe calendar. (laughs) Thanks. Another minute and my badge would have melted. (laughs) See you later, honey. What's going on here? What's all the excitement? Who are you? I'm the landlady, and I... Oh, Mr. Dean, what's happened? Get up off the floor, you'll catch your death of cold. (laughs) Look, lady, we're afraid there's been some trouble here. Mr. Dean is dead. What? Well, don't just stand around. Do something. Call the automobile club. All right, now calm down, ma'am. We're police officers. We'd just like to ask you a few questions here. Police officers? That's right. I'm Sergeant Friday. This is Detective Hope. How do you do? Oh, I've seen your face before. Have you been in an accident? (laughs) Ma'am. Ma'am, there's been a murder. Poor Mr. Dean. Oh, you two were friendly. Oh, yes. We even took dancing lessons together at... Now I'll have to call up and cancel. That's right. It takes two to tango. (laughs) Lady, where were you yesterday? Right here in the building, in my apartment on the ground floor. I watched television all day long. I didn't leave my TV set for a minute. Why not? I heard a rumor Lucille Ball might do it again. (laughs) Look, lady, how does it happen you weren't here when Mr. Dean's body was discovered? I was out doing my shopping. Shopping? Eh? Yes. I bought eggs, butter, milk, bread, and of course, jello. All right, what do you mean, of course, jello? Why, now's the time for jello. It's America's favorite dessert. I always buy it. Jello has a delicious, fruity, rich flavor, and it's so easy to prepare. Oh, goodness me, nobody should be without it. I'm never without it. I sleep with my head between two bowls of jello. <laughs> I just lie there all night long, quivering. All right, I'll handle this, Hope. Okay, Friday. Now, let's get this straight, ma'am. 
You say you've been down at the store buying jello. That's right. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. How does her alibi sound to you, Hope? Delicious. <laughs> well, we'll have to check her story. How do we know she was out buying jello this morning? I'd be a fool not to. After all, jello is such a delicious, delicately flavored dessert and so colorful. You can make wonderful salads with it. And what's more, jello is economical. You save money when you buy jello. How about this? A long playing landlady. All right, are you taking notes on this, Hope? Sure, I've got three pages full. All right, let's hear them. Okay, here's page one. Remind Dolores that now is the time for jello. Page two, try jello salad for Saturday lunch. Page three, get new combination lock for the jello cupboard. A new combination lock? Yeah, the other night I found one of the kids standing by the jello cupboard sandpapering his fingertips. <laughs> Oh, you're some detective. Hope you'll never learn how to catch a crook. No, but I sure know how to hold a sponsor. <laughs> all right, come on now. Let's get on with this investigation. Lady, so far all we have is your word that you were out shopping this morning. That's not good enough. Can you prove that? Why, sure. I've got the proof right here in the shopping bag. All right, let's see it. There. Yeah, looks like jello to me. Looks like money to me. <laughs> well, that's all, ma'am. <laughs> we won't need you anymore. Thank you. Bye, Mr. Friday. Bye. Bye, Mr. Hope. Goodbye. Bye, Mr. Dean. Don't wait for an answer. <laughs> That's a nice old character. Yeah, real cool Grandma Moses. Well, we got work to do here. Yeah, let's go downtown and report. January 25th. Five days went by. No break at all. Every decent lead washed out. 1 p.m., Captain of the Detectives Kresnick sent for us. Hope and I walked down the hall to his office. Now looks like we're stuck. Yeah. Tough case. Yeah. Develop anything in those runs you made over at the lab? Not much. I processed the M.O. of the D.O.A. without getting a make. Then I ran a 184 through the L.P. file and tried for a C.O.A. on the P.D. What does that mean? I was hoping you knew. <laughs> Well, here we are. Let's go in and get it over with. Come in, come in. Captain? Well, Friday Hope, what about it? Five days have gone by. You haven't made any progress. Well, this case is a Lulu. Not one decent lead. Well, there was some evidence. What about the fingerprints found on the scene? They turned out to be Officer Hope, sir. There were some footprints. Officer Hope's, too, sir. And a handkerchief. Officer Hope's. Well, what about the pretty blonde girl in the silk wrapper across the hall? Well, I'm not on duty all the time, you know. <laughs> Well, we'll keep trying, Captain. Just give us a few more days. We'll break the case. We've got to have action. The pressure's on. Yes, sir. The mayor's on the commissioner's neck, the commissioner's on the chief's neck, and the chief's on my neck. If the top man can juggle, it's a wonderful act. <laughs> All right, let's go, Hope. In police work, you take the tough with the good. This case was one of the tough ones. But just when it looked bad, we got a break. Through an informant, we learned the murdered man had a girlfriend. She was a singer in a joint over on the east side, the Kit Kat Club. 11.31 p.m., Hope and I got a squad car and headed for the Kit Kat Club. Down through Lower Main Street, the toughest section of L.A. Not very classy, is it? Skid Row, cesspool of the city, gin mills, hock shops, flea bag hotels. This is the bottom. Nobody lives down here but the cheap crooks, winos, and stumble bums. Would you mind stopping at that next house? What for? I want to see if I got any mail today. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you weren't kidding. 
I can always tell a wino by the way he walks on his heels. Careful or I'll breathe on you. <laughs> but I really did live in a tough section like this when I was a kid. I'd be a member of a gang of pickpockets right now, except my mother wouldn't let me join. Well, you were smart to listen to her. I had to. She was the boss of the mob. <laughs> There's the place in the corner, the Kit Kat Club. Yeah. Now, watch your step in here. There may be fireworks. Don't worry. Us hopes have a steady eye. My grandfather used to shoot a hole through the ace of spades at 100 yards. Well, that's pretty good. It's the best that's ever been done with chewing tobacco. <laughs> All right, here's the door. You go first. You're the sergeant. You go first. <laughs> All right, come on. Hey, mister, you the manager of this place? That's right. What? Whoa, officers, step up to the bar. I'll pour you boys a drink. Oh, no, thanks. No, thanks. No, thanks. Well, just a little one. <laughs> this will be the first highball ever served in an oil drum. All right, let's skip the drinks. We're on duty. Kind of a tough joint you're running here, mister. It's the best around here. Drinks are only a dime. We serve free sandwiches. And every time someone's shot in here... We pay their funeral expenses and $10,000 to the widow. How can you afford to do that? We're a subsidiary of General Motors. <laughs> now, look, we want to talk to a girl you got working here. You're a singer. Hey, Miss Whiting's about to do a number. All right, we'll sit at one of these tables and wait till she's finished. If I am fancy free and love to wander, it's just the gypsy in my soul. There's someone calling me from way out yonder. It's just the gypsy in my soul. I've got to give vent to my emotion. I'm only content Having my way There is no other life Of which I'm fonder It's just the gypsy in my soul If I am fancy free and I love to wander, it's just the gypsy in my soul. There's someone calling me from way out yonder, it's just the gypsy in my soul. No cares, no to wander It's just the gypsy in my soul In my soul It's 
Miss Whiting? Yes? Like your song. Can we have a word with you? That's the trouble with working in a dive like this. You guys are always trying to make a pickup. Oh, you got me wrong, ma'am. We're police officers. Then why is this other guy kissing my shoulder? <laughs> you got me right. I'm a wolf. <laughs> like to ask you some questions, miss. Mind if we step into your dressing room? Come on. Will this take long? I'd like to change my clothes. Go right ahead. Don't mind us. <laughs> Sorry to inconvenience you, ma'am. We're investigating a crime. That's right. I want to ask you a straight question, and I want a straight answer. Yeah. Where were you Thursday night around 11 o'clock? I was shooting pool with some of the boys. Not you! <laughs> it's none of your business where I was. How old are you? 22. 22. According to our records, you have a son 19 years old. I married young. Glad to know you. I'm from Tennessee, too. Well, I don't know what this is all about, but I assure you I have nothing to do with it. Oh, yeah, I wish I could believe that, sister. You got a record as long as my arm. In 1946, you were arrested for rolling a drunk. With my boyfriend, and he wasn't drunk. He was plastered. The charge says you were rolling him. It's the only way I could get him home. <laughs> I think we're making a mistake, Sarge. She's just a sweet kid. She can't be mixed up in this. Are you kidding? Sixteen stolen cars in the last five years, four mink coats, five diamond wristwatches. Why, this dame will go for anything that's fast and loose. She will? <laughs> Stay right here, baby. I'll go home and get my straw hat and send send. <laughs> now, you listen, sister. A boyfriend of yours named Barney Dean was knocked off a few nights ago. You still haven't told us where you were last Thursday night. Why don't you guys wake up? I was singing right here in this club in front of 50 witnesses. We checked the girl's story. It was true. Another lead gone. We reported back to headquarters. 12.25 a.m. We entered Captain Kresnick's office. All right, you said you had something. What is it? I broke the case, Captain. You did? Well, we couldn't get it because it's so obvious. Now, think back. Everything points to one man. Now, I hate to say this, Captain. The guilty man is one of us. He just joined the force. <laughs> Gee, I wonder who that could be. <laughs> All right, Hope, you can start talking any time. Are you kidding? I had nothing to do with what it. What about it, Hope? Yes, yeah, spill it. Let's have it. Okay. Okay, you got me. You admit you killed Barney Dean? What else can I do? I know you've been watching me. Watching, 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 waiting for my nerves to go to pieces. All right. <laughs> I'll talk. I'm cracking. <laughs> Look, please, just crack. Don't come all apart. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to be messy. Oh, how did you know Barney Dean? Well, he was the manager of the Paramount Theater where our new picture, The Road to Valley, is playing. I have to kill him. Why? Because he did a terrible thing. What? He did a horrible thing. Well, what was it? An awful, unforgivable thing. He deserved to die. Oh, stop this, Hope. What did he do? On the marquee of his theater, he put Crosby's name ahead of mine. <laughs> Crosby, 
We'll see you next week, folks. And don't forget, make a point of serving a Jell-O dessert or a Jell-O salad sometime during the next few days, will you? Take it from old Papa Hope. The whole family will love it. And say, folks, if that Jell-O supply of yours is getting low, how about stopping off at your grocer's tomorrow for a new set? And when you do, tell them Bob sent you, will you? Well, that just about winds it up, ladies and gentlemen. I want to thank Jack Webb, star of Dragnet, for being with us tonight. And I hope the police departments that were listening in will forgive me for joining them temporarily. It was all in fun. I know we all appreciate the great job those boys do for us. Every man who wears the badge of law risks his life for us every morning when he goes to work. These are the guys who hold the line on the home front, protecting our children, our homes, our communities. They deserve all the support we can give them. Thank you. Yeah, Bill, before we go off the air, I have a presentation to make to you and Maggie Whiting. What's that, Bill? Well, this is National Peanut Week. And on behalf... Yes, it is. And on behalf of William F. Seals, president of the National Peanut Council, it gives me great pleasure to present you with this scroll and crown you Peanut King. <laughs> Something like this happens every time I turn and show my profile. <laughs> Now, Maggie. Yes, Bill. On behalf of the National Peanut Council, I'm happy to crown you Peanut Queen. Well, thank you, Bill. And of course, I'm very grateful to the peanut growers for this honor. That goes for me, too. Thanks, and on with the ball. <laughs> peanut butter for everybody. For a quick, quick meal with appetite appeal, just keep upon your shelf. Quick minute rice, so fluffy and nice. It practically makes itself. Minute rice, and your toil. Add a little water, bring it to a boil. Good! Minute rice. It's easy to fix your favorite rice dishes with minute rice because it's pre-cooked. There's no washing, no rinsing, no draining, no steaming. Go to your grocer's now and get the large economical family size of minute rice. <laughs> Sure to listen to the Bob Hope Show next week from Hollywood with our special guest Jane Wyman. Jello has brought you the Bob Hope Show, written by Norman Sullivan and Larry Marks, and transcribed direct from Hollywood, California. Jello is a registered trademark of General Foods. This is Andrea J. Graham, author of the Web Surface series. Oh, and a man's wife. You're listening to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. Welcome back. This was a pretty interesting episode. Uh, when I first listened to this, I had never listened to any Bob Hope before. And I assumed that this was something that Hope did a lot. But I've actually listened to every existing Bob Hope episode. And he never uh, did a long-form uh, parody on the radio like this. Uh, this went on for about 20 minutes, which is a pretty big parody. I know that Jack Benny and Fred Allen did parodies, but I don't think they went on uh, quite this long. I think this is easily the longest single uh, Dragnet uh, parody uh, done during the Golden Age of Radio. 
definitely shows Jack Webb being a good sport and uh, willing just to have some fun. And uh, I think the episode was pretty funny. Uh, Not all the jokes hit, but I think Hope's delivery on so many lines were great. And even uh, Jack Webb got in some great uh, little jabs there, even though he spent most of it uh, setting up Hope's jokes. Now, if you're wondering what was meant by the, uh, I want to, uh, wanting to see if Lucille Ball does it again, uh, this, uh, episode came from February of, uh, 1953. And this was just a few weeks after, uh, Lucy goes to the hospital airs. And it's the episode where Lucy Ricardo gave birth to little Ricky, which was uh, considered to be a a bit controversial for the times. Oh, how things have changed. All right, well, that will do it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Join us back here on Monday for Mr. Keen, Tracer of Lost Persons. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.